the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about a controversial subject. What else? And today we're going to be talking about would you abort a baby with Down syndrome? Well, apparently many people would because 90% of all unborn Down syndrome babies are aborted. But these parents may have missed out on the most transformational experience of their lives. So says my guest, Martin Ramirez. He is the author of Living It Up with Downs, How My Son Became My Mentor. And, of course, uh, the reason why we're doing uh, this show today is because October is National Down Syndrome Month. And, of course, um, Down Syndrome has been in the news uh, even before that recently because of Sarah Palin having decided not to abort a baby with Downs. And, of course, that has <laughs> that's in the news just about every day in time for October mm-hmm. Down Syndrome Month. <laughs> So, Mario, welcome. Mario, that's uh, Martin. Yes, your son is Mario. Uh, Martin, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Now, you know, it it is true. I I was actually thinking how um, this whole issue of Down syndrome is part of a bigger issue in our society, which is our obsession with perfection and our definition of what perfection is. Um, you know, if something isn't perfect, many people want to destroy it. You know, whether that's a marriage, whether that's um, a, a style of living, or whether that's a baby who doesn't fit into what we sort of have as preconceived notions of perfection. I was thinking about, I don't know if you've, you're in Ohio, but um, I don't know if you... I, I'm sure it's national news about the family who, um, in, in California, a man who killed his wife and three sons and his mother-in-law just this, just this past week um, because he was unemployed and he was suffering all kinds of economic uh, crises, and rather than get help, um, he chose, you know, it wasn't a perfect situation. They were living in a rather, they were renting uh, a rather high, high-priced high um, home and, you know, mm-hmm. were trying to keep up that perfect kind of lifestyle. And when it started to fall apart, he killed them all. He killed his family rather than um, deal with some new circumstance and, in fact, maybe try to find what's really valuable in life. Uh, I came up with a name for this. I'm calling it economic emasculation syndrome because, uh, you know, men who feel that they're not able to provide for their families the kind of perfect lifestyle they envisioned um, then take action and kill them. This happened in in London recently, in England recently, not London, but in England. And um, I I fear that we're going to be seeing more of this. But in any case, it's, so it made me think how, you know, so many people 
um, tend to feel the same way about when a woman is pregnant and if her baby has Down syndrome, if that comes out on some tests or some other abnormalities, um, many people opt to kill them. Now, before we go into how wonderful it is to have a Down syndrome child, I do want to say as a psychiatrist, um, I I am not... um, I am not pro-life, I am pro-choice, and I think that not everyone is able to handle in a loving way, an appropriate way, um, a high-risk child. So I, I just want to make that clear from the beginning. I'm not saying or implying that everybody should decide not to abort um, a baby with, with problems or for, or for other reasons, um, such as rape or whatever, but... But, you know, I think it's a matter of um, people changing their priorities and changing their expectations and realizing just how joyous and transformational an experience um, having a high-risk child, like a Down syndrome child like you have, uh, can be. So let's start from there. And um, why don't you give us a little background of who you are or who you were before um, you and your wife had Mario. Okay, and just thank you, appreciate all that, because I do believe that, and just be, uh, preface this with, with, I believe in the law, per, per, possession is ten, ten, nine-tenths of the law, but in life I think perception is nine-tenths mm. of the law. So what you were touching on was what, what I had to change, what was a challenge to me when we had Mario was my perception of what is a perfect life, and that's what I think you were talking about, that whatever, I don't even want to call him a gentleman anymore, in California, what he did to his family. Right. I believe what we deal with is perception. Change the glasses and your world changes. Borrow my glasses and you see my son differently is my message. So from that standpoint, I'll go ahead and get started because I do believe yeah. it's important that you do know who's speaking before you because one of my biggest pet peeves is that we get information from people that have not lived what they're talking. It's all theory. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to give you some things that I grew up in, on, in a mid, uh, lower middle class family in, in East Toledo. Uh, we moved, me and my wife met, uh, my, my just out of high school sweetheart. We've been together, we dated five years, been married 20. So it's been a total of 25 years that we've been partners, soulmates, we call it. We're both born on the same exact day, hmm. same age, two hours difference. Um, from that sample, we had a, a 17-year-old Xavier, um, a 15-year-old Dominic, and our 12-year-old special needs son is Mario. Um, he came to us on prepared. I mean, we were not prepared. We, there was no test. There was no reason to believe we'd have it on either side of our family. Well, wait, how old was your wife when Mario was born? Both of us were 30. Hmm. We were born on the same day, so both of us were 30. Um, they were doing the amnios at 35. I think they've backed them down to 30 now, and I truly believe that's just what you're speaking on, is so that we can find out sooner whether they're imperfect. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a struggle with that also, uh, a challenge, and that's what I'm stepping up to the plate to hopefully I can do is give you two sides of the story. Mm-hmm. So if you're at that doctor's office and you're, it's Friday afternoon and they're telling you we need a decision Monday, that you have two sides of the story. And I'm not here to tell people how to live their life, just like you said. That's a personal decision between you and your God. I believe that's where it stays. But I'd like to give you both sides. Mm-hmm. You're not going to go to a movie and hear just one person tell you how great it is. You're going to hear both sides. Anybody say anything bad about this movie? What, what, I'm spending money here. So why won't you give that the weekend? I mean, we spend more time picking DVDs out uh-huh. than we do planning our life. <laughs> That's true. So, from that standpoint, it, it, is a, it is a major undertaking and challenge that I'd like to get this book and the CD that I'm producing currently around the world, not okay. just U.S. 
So all right. Well, let's start with that. But but so continue with with um with what your life was like before. Okay. Yeah, before, I'm a wrestling coach. I work with me and my wife both work at the Postal Service. I'm coaching 5- to 12-year-olds, very um, into how fast you can move, how, how strong you are, um, competitive, um, you know, pretty, pretty, from, come from a very competitive family, Mexican-American, fluent in Spanish, uh, brought up in the culture, and married a uh, Lebanese, German, and Polish um, wife. Huh. So we've got a very diverse group here, <laughs> um, and we're just moving along in our life, and we've got a 5-year-old, a 3-year-old. And my wife states that we have, she has so much more love to give. Um, I was content with two kids. You know, we went through all the baby feeding, and I was just getting out of diapers of that little guy, mm-hmm. the middle one. And lo and behold, that's all I kept saying. I, I'm tired of diapers. Um, <laughs> did I know I was going to spend seven more years in them. <laughs> Took huh. Mario seven years to potty train. But the, huh. the, the beauty of it was that we didn't know the blessing we were about to receive. We go into the doctor's office, and, um, well, Mario was scheduled C-section. All my boys were big. 910, 96, and 94. Mario's 96. So it was a scheduled C section. And it's on, supposed to be November 28th. He comes on a date earlier. So we get a stand in doctor. Mario's mm-hmm. born. And next thing you know, my wife has something I didn't have, which is intuitive, very intuitive. She says, What's wrong? And I'm counting hands, toes, fingers, I'm, and everything's fine. He's just not a crier. Well, she said that three times back to me. And I, to, in retrospect, I believe she was trying to calm me down. Hmm. because I, I didn't know why she was saying what's wrong, and he isn't crying. Well, the doctor takes me out into this pristine hallway and puts his arm around my neck, and now he's a standing doctor, so he doesn't know me from Adam. Hmm. And he says, how's your two other boys? I hear you have two other sons. I looked at him like, they're fine. You know, I didn't know what he was asking. In retrospect, he was asking, were they Downs? Uh-huh. Because they already had done some tests. You bend the finger back, you know, low muscle tone will let the finger touch the hand, and he won't scream out. Take the elbow across the chest. And farther, kids scream that don't have Downs. So hmm. due, to, due to those small tests that everybody takes for granted, they were finding out right away that Mario was Downs. Um, we get the visit in the morning, uh, three doctors, about 11 o'clock in the morning, and I'll never forget the moment that uh, male doctors in the center, two females flanking. My mom and dad just happened to walk in behind them. So there's, the room just seemed to start spinning slowly. Hmm. And they asked me, do you know what trisonomy 21 is? I look at the... You know, like you're to speak. I speak Spanish and English. I don't speak that language. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what tries. He says Down syndrome. Well, I heard it loud, and I don't know if anybody's had that moment before where you feel like every bodily function is going to happen at the same time. You're going to mm-hmm. throw up. You're going to, you know, excavate right there. You're just going to evacuate right there. Everything. And I just didn't know what to. I looked at him, and he says, "We don't. We don't know for sure. We'll take 14 days to do a chromosomal test." I said, "What's the percentage you say my son's Downs?" He said, "87." The two female doctors say, this is profound to me because I realize me and my wife stress differently. I wanted percentages. I wanted numbers. You know, the two females are, are at this time, doctors are going to my wife's side to kind of physically comfort her. Mm. She's a little groggy, still do, playing with the Demerol but, <laughs> for the pain. <laughs> but I was already started my grieving right there. Well, now, what did you know uh, at that point? What did, you, did you know anything about Down syndrome? I knew, you know, we had, I guess, in hindsight, I babysat a, a, had a, as a 12-year-old boy in my neighborhood, I babysat a mentally retarded boy named Joey, and it didn't click till two years after marriage, but I think my subconscious knew what he was saying, that he was mentally retarded. I didn't hear Down syndrome, I heard mental retardation. Don't ask me how I made that leap. Uh-huh. But Joey was mentally retarded, and I babysat him for two years, off and on in the summers. Hmm. So I made that like, oh, wow, I seen Joey. Um, 
so yeah, that's what they, you know, I, I really do want to make this point because I think you just mentioned about men and, and what their perception is. See, we want to fix things. And I wanted to fix this thing. First, I asked, why me? What did I do wrong? You know, I curled up in a ball. I cried for two nights straight. I had my two older boys go to my mom and dad's while I was at home, just a, a mess. I'm in a fetal position. You know, why did you do this to me? And the darkest moment of all was, can you take him back? Mm. And that's not easy for me still today to say. Mm. But then after 48 hours for me, it was, he's mine. I'm going to love him. We're going to do what we got to do. Meanwhile, I was showing up at the hospital, and it was game on. Face on, game on, I'm in control, everything's going to be okay. I had to be that for my wife, in my mind. So I guess that's, that's my profound lessons, is, 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 is that was one of my first ones, is that we stress differently. Yeah. Well, we need to stress out over this break right now. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't mean to get too deep. <laughs> no, no. It's quite a moment. But um, but I guess that music means that we're uh, supposed to take a break. Okay. So we will come back to your story. I got chills when you were uh, telling me about telling us all about that moment um, because I can really relate to that. It was a dark moment. I'm not still proud of it, but it's real. Yes. Well, when we come back, we'll hear more from Martin Ramirez, the author of Living It Up with Downs, How My Son Became My Mentor. We're talking today about Would You Abort a Baby with Down Syndrome? So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Had an accident? The people you may encounter may be attorneys, doctors, and insurance agents. How do you protect yourself and your family? Tune into Meeting by Accident with attorney Tom Woodruff, an experienced trial attorney and former legislator. Attorney Woodruff and his expert guests assist and inform on what to do in a crisis, what steps to take, what to avoid, and most important, what you need to know to get through the process. Meeting by Accident broadcasts every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Because being informed makes all the difference. Tune into Meeting by Accident with attorney Tom Woodruff. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com 
Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking today with my guest, Martin Ramirez. He is the author of Living It Up with Downs, How My Son Became My Mentor. And um, we were just before the break hearing a very uh, chilling and yet heartwarming uh, story at the same time about uh, um, as Martin was taking us into the delivery room and the hospital room after he was told by doctors that they thought his son had Down syndrome. And let me just take a little um, couple of minutes here to describe what that is. And, of course, Martin, you can... You can uh, uh, as you tell us more about your son, you can see you can tell us about which things, um, uh, which symptoms your son exhibited. But Down syndrome is a first of all, it's a, a problem in the chromosomes. It's an extra chromosome 21. It's something that um, someone is born with in the in the chromosomes in the cells of the baby of the fetus um, by an abnormality of chromosomes, an extra chromosome. Um, it this happens from the very beginning, and so the baby in the mother's womb develops with this um, syndrome, and it includes mild to severe, um, I mean, mild to moderate mental retardation. That the symptoms themselves, as I'm going to talk about, can be mild to severe, depending upon it's it's different in different people and different children. Um, but there's usually mild to moderate mental retardation. There's a delay in language development, and there's a delay in motor development. And you probably have seen children with Downs. Um, they have a somewhat flat face with an upward slant to the eye, a short neck, and abnormally shaped ears, um, a deep crease in the palm of the hand, white spots on the iris of the eyes, poor muscle tone, and small hands and feet. And then later on, they, people, children with Downs can later on develop um, problems in other parts of their body, such as, well, they're, they're often born with congenital heart disease, but then they can develop hearing problems, intestinal problems, eye problems, thyroid problems, skeletal problems, and even eventually um, possibly dementia. Um, there's no cure for it. 
but there are certain ways to help uh, these children grow up to live productive and wonderful lives, and we'll be hearing that later on. But I just wanted to tell, for people who are listening who aren't quite sure what Down syndrome consisted of, I just wanted to, to explain that to you. Now, um, Martin, so if we can go back into the hospital room, and you're put, putting on your uh, brave face not to upset your wife, and then what happened? Well, and one thing I found, Dr. Carroll, is that sometimes if you guys want to hit downsdad.com, you can see pictures, and it kind of helps you see who we are, and you can put a voice or a picture to the face. That's fine. So it's downsdad.com. Um, you know, I've got pictures of Mario there and my family from different stages of the life. Of life. Um, he's 12 now, but we're going back to when he was born, and I'm coming back in there, and I'm wanting information. Uh, my wife's wanting the hug. I'm wanting not the hug. You know, so these nurses here, this doc, this hospital got it right. I mean, they just they bombarded me with information. I was still in that moment, probably in fix it mode. That's the I call it man mode. We want to fix it. If we can't want to, if we can't fix it, we want to push away from it. So there's no pushing away from this in my family. You know, I couldn't push away. Um, so I had a blessing in disguise. My brother Milo, uh, youngest brother, just graduated Ohio State in special ed of all things. So mm-hmm. here I am, within the week, I got film of a nine-year-old boy um, talking to his mom and swimming, and I'm watching him, and they, they did their class project, and he brings me over this kind of resources. So it was a blessing to me because I, I my hope level went way high. I'm like, okay, this is going to be okay. Uh-huh. going to be okay. I think I, I think I cried when I found out he may never tie his shoe, be able to tie it because of dexterity, like you were just explaining, the, low, the little small fingers, and then a lot of them have uh, dexterity problems challenges so we'll get velcro is what i finally said uh-huh. you know we were, we're going to hit these things one at a time um but my wife um again i think she she accepted it much quicker than i did um i think like i said the 48 hours was my tough spot her tough spot was a little later it was later to come um when she, i think it sunk in but for me i i just got I, I chose to get involved after that i mean i'm on the board at the mrdd now um we took him in at three months to early intervention. We came out of the hospital. We went early intervention, and we placed our trust in some strangers. And I spent, it happened that I was on afternoons at the post office. So three times a month, three and a half hours each time, we're in play group. We're teaching Mario to do things that normally you took for granted. Your other kids learned how to do. Social skills, interacting, playing instead of parallel playing. But this is where I see, see my mentor for the first time. He's two years old. He had pulled his toy away from him. And the intervention specialist asked me, you know, here, go ahead, get in. This is where you get in. Show him how to pull it back a little. You know, the epiphany hit me is that I'm going to teach him my hang-ups, but what's he teaching me? And that Mm -hmm. was the first time I see my mentor Mm -hmm. because he didn't spend a nanosecond pulling that toy back. He just gave it to the kid, turned Mm -hmm. around, and continued playing. How many times in my life did it serve me if I could have done that? How would it serve me? See, I was realizing, okay, this kid may never care about a comb in his life, how much money he's got in his pocket. He chooses happiness now, and he chose to ignore that. He chose to be happy with what he had, even if it meant going finding a different ball. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. where I first seen my mentor. Now, it took me eight more years to write a book because it was like watching grass grow. The lessons were coming so slow, I almost missed them. Almost missed them. Well, before we get too far in, in the story... Um, how did you, you had two other sons, five and three, mm-hmm. and when Mario was born, what did you say to these sons? Well, five and three, I don't know that we said anything as much as we did. I think they, these, these boys have always been a little more intuitive than, than me as a kid. 
I think they, they just watched the way we handled Mario. They watched the way other people did. I mean, they, they had a therapist coming in two times a month, and they sat around. They would go get the toys for Mario. They realized Mario needed a little more assistance than other kids. So when we had that conversation, it probably was much closer to seven and eight, six, seven, or eight. Um, this is where I just said he, he's, he's different, and, and that's okay. Different's okay. It's like people are different colors, different different shapes, different sizes. He's just different. We're just going to need to repeat some things to him more often. We're just going to have to stay with him. We're just going to have to keep an eye on him. And he's ours. And one of my biggest lessons that I learned is that I had to talk to my sons is he's ours. He's not your responsibility. He's ours. So let let us worry about him. You have fun with him, but let us worry about him. Mm. And I found that later to be thanked. You know, on our sibling panels, my sons thanked us for that. You know, you don't know what your sons are going to say until they say it to you or in a room where you're in the back corner and they're asking, you know, this, this lady was peppering them with questions and they started saying, well, my parents never had a child was down. They, they gave us get-out-of-jail-free cards a couple times. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so for me, it's um, some of these we had to learn on the fly, but, you know, I, I, I wanted to make sure they didn't feel responsible for Mario. So, um... Uh, what, so, what, when did you put Mario in school? Did you have special, I mean, you were yeah. saying you had some special therapy, but what, tell me. Yeah, he graduated from that at three years old. From he, pre- he graduated from what? Early, early intervention is called, in Ohio, it's called early intervention. It went from zero to three, and he graduated from there at three. From three to about six, we had him in preschool. And this is where we started setting him up. You know, I mean, we had to teach him everything from how to sit up. I mean, you would put him in a triangle chair just to get him to sit up because of his low muscle tone. Um, we did the preschool. And then we, you know, there we were flying the flag, and this is controversial, I believe, is that you've got people on one side saying, we have rights, our kids are going to be mainstreamed. So we joined that group for a minute. And then we came back over to the point where it's like, look, the reason Mario is, is getting help is because he needs it. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's fair. Me personally, now, this again, I don't want to judge anybody else what they choose for their kid with special needs. But for me, I didn't think it was fair for a teacher who never had special needs skills training to put Mario in her class with 25 other typical kids and then not know how to handle Mario or Mario's getting up walking around the room disru- disrupting her whole lesson plan. Mm-hmm. So he's in MH class right now, 60% of the time. He'll M- MH? Mentally handicapped, uh-huh. they call it here. So 60% of the time, maybe 70%, he's in that room where he's got three teachers to nine students. Wow. So it's a big it's a big ratio. Big, much different than one, one teacher, 25 students, with him being just one general student. Right. So that's the flag we're flying now for us. And, and that's all I'm saying is that, that many people will sit there and you've got rights. You can have a state come in and sit next to him, and they should pay for it. The state will pay for it, and they will. But, again, I'm, I'm going back to what works for us. You mean where um, where the children can be in mainstream classes and there's a special aide who helps the handicapped mm-hmm. child? Correct. Almost like a, like a shadow. Mm-hmm. They shadow them. So, now, if that works for, and like you mentioned earlier, some of the criteria or, or some of the things that criteria hit downs is mental retardation anywhere from 50 to 72. Anywhere under 72 is, cla- is classified as mental retardation. Now, if your child is close to 72, then chances are maybe mainstream works for you. Maybe it does, you know, and that's okay. But if your child's closer to 50, then I think you're kind of fooling yourself or your child. And I don't know. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Somewhere, I don't know where my dad said it in Spanish, it hit Mario a little. Lo tocó un poco. 
is really it's just it's just hit him a little. So Miles somewhere in between there, I believe. But currently, I believe he needs that extra attention. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. So what kinds of? <laughs> okay. Well, I have to save that for when we come back. Um, we're talking today. My guest is Martin Ramirez, talking about his son. Mario and how his son became his mentor. That's uh, part of the title of the book, Living It Up With Downs. And um, I hope you're asking yourself, what would you do if you found out that you or your wife or your girlfriend um, was pregnant with a Down syndrome baby? What do you think you would do? Stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. What can you tell me about SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. On the web at SkillsUSA.org. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips with his weekly guest jim draws from successes with professionals college high school and youth teams coaches and players learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure tension and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with championship thinking every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time right here on america's voice voice america are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times do you want help then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Don't 
And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, asking you the question, would you abort a baby with Down syndrome? We're talking today with Martin Ramirez. He's the author of Living It Up with Downs, How My Son Became My Mentor, and talking about his son, Mario, who was born with Down syndrome and who is 12 years old um, this year at this time. Um, so give us a sense of of what Mario is like, what he was like as he was growing up, you know, during his 12 years. Um, I mean, one of the things that I've noticed from being around children with Downs um, is that they are very sweet, and they are very sweet-natured, have a very good sense of humor, which kind of makes them more vulnerable to other children. Like you were talking about the example of a, another child taking his toy. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I think sometimes this sweet nature, um, although it make, it, it's wonderful for the family because it really does help to um, make you feel fortunate to have this child, even though he has different challenges, but it must be also hard because you want to protect him from the world who, mm-hmm. you know, some, it's, it's a cruel world out yeah. there. Yeah. Exactly. It can be. Too, though. Yeah, exactly. Back to perceptions because that was one of my, wife, one of my wife's biggest concerns is that how is this world going to treat Mario? Is he going to be taken advantage of? And I can say from five years old, even, even in, in, I guess going chronologically here where I left off a little bit going into mm-hmm. preschool, what I, what I notice about Mario is he operates with detached mind. What that means is he doesn't, it's not that he isn't involved in, work, in his life in this world. What he operates is, is he, doesn't, he doesn't put any expectations on the outcome. Mm. So if my brother says he's coming over in, in an hour and that's his favorite uncle and he shows up three hours later, he gets, in, he gets the same hug. Me, uh-huh. I'm looking at my watch. I'm going, what the, what's up? How are you disrespecting me like that? But right. Mario is, is operates on detached mind. So this is one of the keys for us is, is I believe that why he's happy, if we can learn this, is that we put too much value on the outcome of things. If a friend doesn't call in three days, you know, they're disrespecting you. And, and I watch Mario choose happiness time and time again after any of these things. I, I tell him to go to bed, and he's not happy. You know, it's time for bed. I shut off the TV. But within... I'd say nanoseconds, if not, okay, 10 seconds would be long for him. He turns around and gives me a kiss on the arm, on the hand, knowing that at one moment he might have been upset, but he, may, he wants to make sure I'm not, mm. based on what he just reacted to. Mm. So this is what I keep seeing, and, and, and many of the things that, I'm, that, that I wrote in the book were based on the fact that a uh, mentor, I was on a, a conference call, said that... Um, w- Everybody is struggling with what they call lace. I call it lace, love, attention, control, and excitement. When I looked at Mario, I realized he was getting those needs met healthy because we're going to get those needs met no matter what. It's just whether we're going to get them met healthy or unhealthy. Love, Mario will sit and give you butterfly kisses on your cheek. I mean, mm. he picks up these things. Funny. He, he kissed me 27 times, I counted, when he was about six years old as I'm sleeping to wake mm. me up. Mm. So who wouldn't enjoy that? Wow. <laughs> So I pretended to be asleep, and I got all 27. <laughs> now, uh, attention. He wants attention. He does a little dance in front of you. He gets you know, kind of in your, in your space a little bit, but he's doing something harmless. Control, I believe you can put Mario in a forest. Ten years later, it looks the same. Us, we've got to move that boulder over there. We've got to do this. And we get that all that stress that comes with needing control. Excitement, he claps for himself. I asked many people during speech. He, he what for himself? He claps. Uh-huh. He claps for himself. 
I ask many people while I'm giving speeches, when's the last time you clapped for yourself? <laughs> See, we can give the failures, uh-huh. the dates, the times. We relive it like it's yesterday, even though it was 10 years ago. But Mario understands something that geniuses struggle with. Happiness is a now moment. It's not mm-hmm. around the corner when you get the house paid off. It's not when the kids go off to college. It's not when you buy that brand-new car. You choose happiness now. And this is what I get daily. He, he comes off that bus. He's got a big smile. He gives me a kiss. He asked me, how's my day? Hmm. Every day. How's your day? How's your day? Now, I don't know that he even wants a response, hmm. but he, need, he makes sure you feel special by asking you how your day was. Many people today can't even say hi, let alone how was your day. Mm-hmm. So now, the lessons are, keep coming. Now, what were you, you started to say before about your wife, that she had a harder time later on. What was that about? Well, she was. She, this was what her, her. She feared that other people were going to be cruel to him. She feared that they were going to take advantage of his sweetheart. She feared that um, that, that that that's exactly what was going to happen. What I was saying, I guess, in, in my only counter to that, and I don't want to always counter her or disagree with her. I said, okay, that makes sense, and I could see that fears. Well, <laughs> you know, people are going to be people, but he operates with that detached mind. So it's kind of like, did you hear that tree in Arizona fall? Mm-hmm. No, I didn't. Neither did you. Mario says the same thing. I didn't hear that criticism. I didn't see that smirk. I didn't see that rolling in the eyes. I didn't see that person mm-hmm. laughing at me. I thought they were laughing with me. Mm-hmm. See, I'm writing a second book, A Butterfly's Bliss. Uh-huh. And in a butter- bliss means spiritual joy. And butterfly bliss, basically, it's the Downs kid who gets bumped his head, becomes typical. And for the first time, his heart's hurt. Huh. He realized his friends are laughing at him, not with him. At the end, his friend saves him. His best friend, or Mario saves his best friend from drowning, but goes back into being downs and tells his friend at the end, I'm happy on this side. Mm, mm. Wow, that's, that's, uh, that would I be great. I see a movie. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I like that. See, um, so, so what, so nowadays, um, I mean, have there been instances? Tell us about yes. how he is now and how he, you know, as he gets older and a little more aware, I guess it gets harder to, uh, yeah, how, how tall is he, for example? Well, okay, he's, he's about uh, under my chin, so he's probably about 5'3". I'm okay. about 5'8". Um, he was locked in a locker last year by a fellow student. Hmm. Now, the student says he asked to be put in there. It was a pretty rough day. I mean, you're a mother, you're coming home, and you hear your kids in a lock, got locked in a locker, and you don't know what kind of fear he was experiencing. Um, it was a rough drive to that school. But we realized that Mario played, he, again, once again, is looking, smiling, looking at us like, what's all the fuss? Mm-hmm. His older brother, Dominic, was there in school, and he heard it through the, you know, he's in eighth grade, Mario's in sixth. He hears it, and he, and I, I got some big boys, one's 6'1", 270, and the other one's 5'11", 240. They could do some damage. Wow. <laughs> so Dominic comes flying down looking for this kid, but we found out he's also special needs. Oh, he doesn't wow. have downs. He has another another challenge. So it's one of those things, you know, we just kind of, and I didn't want to bring Hades down on this kid or yeah. his parents because I know they don't teach his, that kid that. Yeah. You know, he said that Mara wanted in there, this and that. But that kind of broke our heart for a second. It's like, whoa, you know, this is what we were feared, is that yeah. someone would take advantage. Our fear was that a typical kid, knowing what they were doing in a malicious way, would have done it. Mm-hmm. So ironically, it felt better that it was a special need. Yes, kid. yes. Who we really? Feel there was motive behind it. Yes. Uh-huh. But, yeah, Mario, and again, we've had some challenges with his language. He picks up 
you know, it's, it's amazing. We'll try 30,000 times a, a word we'd like him to say is like a street address and his phone number. But then somebody says a word on the bus that isn't appropriate. And <laughs> that one seems to roll off the tongue. So he, he responds to reaction. You know, he, he wants a reaction. So if you made a big deal out of that word coming out, that's what he wants to see again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's typical. I mean, he's cognitively a four-year-old. So if you can imagine a four-year-old in a 12-year-old's body, and now he's going through hormonal changes, he's getting a little mm. mustache, the whole thing going on. So that's what we're dealing with, and, and, and uh, what challenges. Yes, yeah, so that's going to bring up the whole other um, uh, question of girls and dating and sex. and yes. what, have you? I'm sure you must have started thinking about how you're going to handle all that. Yeah, exactly. And we, we've, we've known that Mario's... Um, Mario's Uninhibited, um, he at five year old run out the front door butt naked and, and not think nothing of it, waving at cars. You know, mm-hmm. of course everybody in the house is mortified. We're all <laughs> trying to scramble out there as fast as we can to get him, <laughs> but he's carried some of that still. That it's not to him. He, he doesn't see a problem with you know being in his in his boxers walking around the house. And we're like, no, we can't. You're getting bigger and older, and we we can't have you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, now he is very affectionate to the ladies. He's a, you know we keep laughing because I think he's got more game than his older brothers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he knows how to sit next to the cute ones, and mm-hmm. he goes to football games and watches his brothers play football. And he wants to sit with the cheerleaders. He doesn't want to sit with his friends. So he's definitely aware there's a difference between men or boys and girls. Uh-huh. Um, so it is a challenge, and we haven't totally gone through that yet, so I can't give too much advice on it or, or share too but much But do you have yet. a plan? Yeah, have you and your wife talked about it? Or, or yeah. also I would imagine, you know, from therapists or um, mm-hmm. people, since you're so involved in this whole field, there must be, I mean, I'm sure there are lots of different opinions, but um, you must have been hearing some advice actually from other fathers, and I've had fathers here at my house. We've, we've done the steaks and the, and, and the beers, and it would be amazing how they talk and brag about their kids, yet their, their mothers, and this is something we found too, and I, I call it the perceived expert. You know, when the perceived expert's in the room, they, they, they shut down. Mm-hmm. Doctor's offices, um, school events, it's, she's sitting next to them. When you remove her, they just can't stop talking about their kids. Hmm. Well, one, that's one of the conversations, you know, you had some fathers of older kids coming up, you know, he just wants to touch this girl, and, and the school's calling us, and well, how did you handle that? So it's a lot of that right now, but yeah. it's also digging into the Internet on, on you know, some books and some some tape series that I've, I've rented and, and listened to that basically say, you know, there's safe zones, there's hula hoop. I mean, they teach the hula hoop uh, theory where you put them in a hula hoop and say this is your space. Uh-huh. Anything, family is allowed in here. Others aren't. Yes. Girlfriend out here. I mean, it's that basic. If you can think of going back to a four-year-old, I mean, just because he's in that 12-year-old body doesn't mean he gets it. But at the same time, you don't know when he does get it. You know, you can manipulate it that way. Like, I don't know what you're saying. Yes, you do. I think you do. Well, (laughs) but at the same time, um, I mean, that's useful for, you know, not... uh, for protecting him and making sure that no one abuses him. But, I mean, I know this is a very personal question, but um, do you feel that you want him to experience um, sex well, yeah. and relationships, and you're lucky you're going to get a break to think about it? <laughs> <laughs> wow, right on time. <laughs> All right, and when we come back, we'll, I'm sure you'll stay tuned for this. <laughs> yes. We're talking with Martin Ramirez, again, the author of Living It Up with Downs, and we're talking about uh, Down Syndrome for Down Syndrome Month. 
So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips with his weekly guests jim draws from successes with professionals college high school and youth teams coaches and players learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure tension and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with championship thinking every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time right here on america's voice voice america VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. Before the break, we were talking about the birds and the bees and Mario. (laughs) And and about his um, um, on the edge, on the precipice, of puberty, or actually beginning, exactly. beginning um, already yeah. to experience puberty, but I guess on the precipice of dating and sex. So, wh- what what are you thinking about that? Well, obviously, just like probably every parent out there, it's one of those conversations you can try to put off as far as yeah. long as you can. But it, you got to deal with the reality. Reality is that Mario has those urges already. We've kind of seen it um, manifest from the girlfriends. My brother, my, my brother, my son brings home. You know, just his kind of girlfriends that just. Friends, even he'll sit next to him, and he gets a little touchy. We got to ask him to, you know, personal space, that whole thing. But um, also, what Mario's boundaries are, are kind of out there. We've tried to explain that even if he does touch himself, it's one of those things that's a private moment. You don't want him doing it out front somewhere, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in public. So those boundaries we've got to teach. But I do want Mario to taste the buffet of life, if you will. I want him to have the full experience of life. So I wouldn't discourage him having a girlfriend. Obviously, just like anybody else that's probably the under the age of uh, 16 or so, you'd want to monitor um, some of that. So Mario, cognitively, as a four-year-old at this point, 
with 12-year-old tendencies or, or urges, if you will. Mm-hmm. So that is a, a, a different dynamic. One, obviously, we've never experienced. So we're, we're leaning on some experience from other people that have gone before us in our community and in our groups. We're part of the national Down I'm sorry, the local Down Syndrome Association here in Toledo. And those are some good resources where parents, I mean, you can read a book, but when a parent tells you a story, mm. it kind of sinks in mm-hmm. when they give you that story because many times the facts don't, or the, the, the theory doesn't jump out at you off the book. Right. But when a parent will give you detailed experience, <laughs> you're like, note to self. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> now, tell me about your other two children. Um, Xavier is 17, and so he's, what, a senior or a junior? Yeah, he's a senior. They're both um, heavy into sports, wrestling and football, and uh, he, he's looking for a scholarship here at, at local college. He's doing real well. He, he actually, and we've not pushed him one iota, but he wants to go into special ed. Um, kind of following his uncle's footsteps, but knows that there's also a um, good opportunity for him to get the, the scholarships, even though his grades are at 4.0. He, he, out of the two sons, I think, has the, has the patience, if you will. Mm-hmm. To, um, to Mario was like a, he was like Mario's teddy bear, even mm-hmm. from a young age. Now, Dominic is a little less tolerant of that. You know, he's not too physical. He doesn't like Mario jumping on him and banging on him. Um, but Dominic is uh, more the analytical. He, he'd like to be a psychiatrist himself. Mm. Um, so he's he's he he can tell you. He, he's very astute to what's going on, even what kind of medication. If, when we have Mario's been pretty healthy, but he can and four years later say, "Wasn't Mario on that?" Mm. Wow, how do you remember that? <laughs> mm. But I can't even pronounce it. You remembered it. Uh huh. <laughs> so um, they they both have just. But Mario's taught them a compassion I couldn't have. Um, I, I think I alluded to it earlier. They've, they've been on sibling, been asked to speak at sibling panels where you can choose to be in the room or you can choose to leave the room. And I chose to stay and, and got a good insight of their, their their view of our family from their eyes. And it is different. You know, you think you're you're, you're teaching something. You're here in that room. You're going to learn something because <laughs> you think you know what your kids are thinking. And some of the things we had to we had to, me and my wife had to sit down and talk about because we 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 had to realize that maybe we are kind of heavily weighed in Mario's world uh-huh. and enough attention in theirs. Mm-hmm, yeah. So those, you don't like hearing that. <laughs> and But at the same time, it was time to, it's time to step up and, and, and listen to them. Yeah. But overall, they're, they're very compassionate, caring kids, and when they get around anybody, regardless of race, special needs or not, or typical, um, I believe it's a compassion they learned from Mario. Yes. Now, there's another sticky issue, which is um, uh, that must concern you, is um, trying to make sure that um, Mario will be taken care of after you and your wife are gone. I mean, are you, do you think, first of all, do you think he's going to be able to um, learn some kind of skill or go into some kind of special um, school or or, uh, place where, Excuse me. He can learn um, some kind of a skill that will that he could then be paid for. Right. right. This is something that that from two. I'll, I'll address this on two levels. One was we early on. I wanted to tell my my older kids when they when they understood what I was saying, and it was about ten or twelve that they weren't going to be financially responsible for Mario. We took care of that in life insurance policies and set up a trust. Uh huh. So anything went in there. They said, you know, he's not your burden. And I don't want you guys to feel. And of course, both of them looked at us and said, "We'd take him anyway. Uh-huh. And we'd want him." So if something, God forbid, me and Missy went in the same car accident, 
that was taken care of early on. He was probably four years old when we set that trust up. Mm-hmm. Found out later that wasn't very popular. It wasn't something a lot of people were doing. So I've been advocating that in most of my speeches is please get that done, people. Yes. First of all, I had that conversation with your siblings. Yes. Second of all, take care of it. Yes, people don't want to think about that, but yes, right. it is so important. Because your kid's quietly thinking, man, if mom and dad die, he's mine. <laughs> right. And they may not want that job. <laughs> right. So you've got to relieve them so they can be kids. But on the other hand, our, our I think our purpose or our soul, I don't know if you want to call it as parents, it's kind of typical also. We want Mara to be able to be self-sufficient at some point or at least contributing. But I challenge the notion that they're all happy because they're working at a storefront mm-hmm. that the door is a greeter. I say right now, if I told Mario, would you like to go swim or would you like to go to school, he's going to pick swim. Mm-hmm. Well, just like anybody else. I mean, I work in the workforce, and, and, we, and I believe the big disillusionment out there that we, we teach our kids is that go get a job, get an education, get a job, look for security where there is none, and you'll be happy. Right. Well, I say follow your purpose. So if Mario's purpose was to come here, partner with me, choose me to be his voice, and we can succeed at that, to at least take care of our needs, then I would love to put a pool out in the backyard and have him go visit zoos if you want. You don't have to work there to find happiness. I, I guess that's what I'm saying. A lot of times, and I know this isn't popular all the time, we seem to think we know what's going to make him happy. Put a vest on him, he waves his hand. Well, he may be happy for the first hour because he's meeting new people. But he could get that same reaction if he's at the zoo. So I guess... I would love to see it if I, if I had to paint a vision for Mario 30 years from now. Yes. I would like money not to be first and number one the issue, whether he's happy or not. If we can do that, if we can take care of that issue, because isn't that everybody else's issue? Retirement isn't a matter of age. It's a matter of money. Yes. Most 90% of people out there are disillusioned with where they're working at. Yes. If I told you right now, find what you're happy at, and money's not an issue, what would you be doing? I bet you most people say it's not this. Mm-hmm. So I, I would love to see Mario in a place because of the work we put in, him and I, uh, and, and just be able to put him in a place where money's not the deti- deciding factor of whether he's happy or in a place where he's happy. And and um, just to sort of, since time is running out, just to kind of uh, um, get into this a little more quickly, um, basically what you're talking about is your work, your passion to uh, spread the word about Down syndrome and uh, through your books and so on mm-hmm. and through your speaking and, and uh, have him be a part of that to right. sort of break through the illusions that people have um, of what Down syndrome is. And so we can show assets, not just liabilities. I was getting tired of hearing, oh, is he okay? Are you going to be okay? Can you cure him? I want people to go, wow, wow. That's a, that's a special person. And they don't have to, you know, I guess they don't have to praise him like that. I just don't, I want to switch that a little bit. And then the other thing is to save lives. I love for people to stop aborting babies that they don't even know what's ready to come to it. If they had the Dalai Lama coming to the house, would they abort? I'd like to challenge that. But the second thing is the reason I'm saying I, I more than 10 times my income per hour in speaking. And what I mean by that is I was the last time I spoke, I made more in one hour than I did a whole week mm-hmm. at, at my, my corporate job. Right. Now, I believe that's because when you focus on your purpose, which is to teach, I, I, I learned this stuff to share through Mario and what he's teaching, that you find your purpose. And if you're, if you're focused on your purpose, your goals show up anyway. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and give us the um, website again. It's downsdad.com. And, and again, feel free. I will, I will do this for your, your listeners, Dr. Carroll. It's the first 50 people 
that purchased, they can get the free CD that I just produced this week. It's the five telegrams Mario sent me from his heart. Get the fi- Could you say that a little louder? Get the five... Okay. The five telegrams Mario sent from my from his heart is the new CD I just produced. The first fifty people that say just mention your show that that's where they seen it. I will ship them a free CD. Oh wow! And purchase the book. Okay. Dollar value. That sounds good. And again, the um, the website address is downsdad.com. Now there's no apostrophe or anything. It's just D O W N S D A D. Downsdad.com. And I've been to the website, and it is very interesting. And, and I, I wish you the best in what you're doing because it is so extremely important that we think we want what we think is perfect, and um, oftentimes what we get is something a lot better. I say perceptions are reality. Change. Yeah. So thank Change. you very much. That, thank you very much, Martin Ramirez. Again, he's the author of Living It Up with Downs, How My Son Became My Mentor, and he's um, offering to give the first 50 people a yes, copy yes. of his CD. And again, that's downsdad.com, D-O-W-N-S-D-A-D.com. So thank you all for listening. Thank you, Martin. And, uh, and my best wishes for all your success. Thank you, Dr. Carol. And you've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.